You are listening to Get Real Podcast. So, Dan, here we are again, back in the fishbowl. Back in the fishbowl. And for listeners, the fishbowl is... This is the Get Real Studio. It is. It is the studio, and it's just a little bit bigger than what a fifty-gallon, hundred-gallon aquarium, maybe. <laughs> Let's do fish swimming motions. <laughs> well, what's what's funny is just a few minutes ago, Deb was in here and she was recommending some furniture purchases to uh, make a little more space in this room, and that would indicate that we need to consult the Crutchfield catalog. Oh yeah, oh, get some stereo equipment, stereo equipment in here, and get it all set up. Well, if anybody's listened to the Get Real podcast for any amount of time, they've learned a few things about Dan and Glenn. Just a few things. Some of those things include that we like intense music. Yes, we do. And not only do we like intense music, we like lyrics that are intense. You know, like a porterhouse steak intense. Something that you can really sink your teeth into that will edify you and you can walk away from. You know what I'm talking about, Dan? Yeah, something real, something that represents truth. It just, it hits you and moves you and, and it does something. Or should I say maybe inspired by the Holy Ghost? That's probably a better way to put it. And some of the things we've been talking about is we've found inspiration in people that are not Christian artists. And we found inspiration in people that are Christian artists as well. But more than that. You've also probably learned, if you've been listening to this podcast for any amount of time, that we do band interviews. And when we do a band interview, it's not just like, hey, Dan, that's got a good beat and it's easy to dance to. (laughs) (laughs) We go a little bit further. We want to get the story behind the story. And sometimes we wax a little bit controversial, don't we? We do. And you're wax. You're speaking King James again, brother. We ought to do an entire podcast one day just in King James. What do you think of that, thou, Dan? I think that is (laughs) awesome. Just throw a TH at the end of everything. We've got a band on the line, Filthy Rags. They are from Fort Wayne, Indiana. And it's Harry and Mel Becker. They are the driving force behind this band. And I can tell that there's something. They don't hold any punches just by the name of their band, Filthy Rags. Now, Harry and Mel, if I'm not mistaken, that's taken from Isaiah 64, 6, correct? Yes. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Thanks for having us. It is such a pleasure to have you guys on. We've been looking forward to this interview for a long time because we know we're going to be able to go some places that we haven't gone yet and we might not return from by the time we're done. We enjoy talking to you guys. You're pretty great folks. And so um, we're real grateful to be here, real grateful to the creator that we serve and yeah our name comes from isaiah chapter 64 verse 6 and it's the people of israel actually talking back to the creator saying any we recognize that any good deed that we could do is like dirty filthy rags in your sight i mean i could go into a greater dissertation about what that actually means but it's more fun if we tell your listeners to go and look it up yes <laughs> We might lose our uh, PG-13 rating if we if we do that. Uh, we're not quite ready to lose that rating yet, but I think we're going to be going there before you know it. You know, it's really interesting a lot. And just to help our listeners out, we're not talking about dirty cleaning rags from cleaning furniture or the interior of your car. It's, it's a little bit more than that. So Yeah, we're going to stop there. <laughs> but, you know, people don't realize that anything that we do really 
that we think is good just does not measure up to the holiness of God. And that's really important for everybody to remember. And that just highlights the grace of God. Absolutely. God is the only good there is. From everything I've ever read, that there's his goodness will destroy our wickedness, even when we think it's good. Do you know what gets me excited, though? What? Is that it's the blood that makes us righteous. Yeah. It's the blood of Christ. There is power in that blood. And we're coming up real soon on Easter that's coming around. And just in remembrance of the crucifixion of Christ, that was a blood sacrifice for our sins. And that's what covers all. There is no amount of good that we can do. And it's that faith and that blood sacrifice of the Lord that makes us righteous. And that's what excites me. So you guys have been around for what now? About five years, is it? Yeah, just about. Okay, so you guys started in 2014? Yeah, that sounds about right. And how was it that Filthy Rags came about? Well, we were both kind of coming out of addiction, and I was living at a place, and I didn't have much, but I had a guitar, and she was living somewhere else, getting clean, so we were both getting clean off drugs, and I started coming up with some of the melodies, you know, some of the guitar work for the album, and we would get together and sit down and play, and she would write lyrics and start singing, and start putting these songs together. She never liked my time signature, so I had to make some modifications to the songs. <laughs> I write a little bit unorthodox sometimes. But that's kind of where the music came from, and I'm not really sure where the name came from. Do you even remember? I can tell you that we started leading a worship at a church called The Gathering, and if you've ever heard of the band Grave Robber, Sean Browning is the pastor of that church, He's all, and Sean Browning is also the front man for Grave Robber, okay. who's also... A Christian horror punk band. We you started check them out. Yeah, we're taking notes right now. <laughs> yeah, well, they you know they play with a lot of great bands like Death Therapy and War of Ages. They play with some pretty big acts. They just don't play very often, and they okay. are playing Kingdom Come Festival with Disciple and Decipher Down and all those guys. Uh, they play there pretty much every year. But anyway, we were leading worship at this church, and they let us kind of play some of these songs. Every now and then, I think the big one was a, a song called Oh My Soul. It was almost like a rock worship song that would go on for about 10 minutes. <laughs> All right. And uh, I'm not, I don't know, we went through some different, I don't remember any of the other ideas for the band, but uh, Filthy Rags just kind of stuck right away. I do. We were going to call ourselves Behind the Veil. Okay. Behind the Veil. Or, uh, like, the veil. I, I, was, I came up with a name that everybody vetoed called Brush Arbor. And they were like, that's stupid. So I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Sounds kind of cool. So we ended up we ended up filthy rags, and people have made fun of us uh, for that as well. But at the end of the day, A, it's kind of catchy. B, you know, you don't really forget it. And C, like the purpose behind it is exa it's exactly right. And it can keep you humble all day, you know, mm -hmm. coming to that recognition. Speaking of something you said, I had a revelation about the blood sacrifice and literally son of god bleeding out you know up on a, a tree which the word says is a curse uh for any man to bleed out on a tree is a curse mm -hmm. so he took all of our curse and this it, it spans back over all the way to the first month of the first year 14 days into that aviv and it being passover and the revelation that i had was that 
regardless of whether you were, you guys, we all know what I'm talking about back in Exodus, right? Yes. Okay. Which is a foreshadowing of Messiah. And so the thought that I had that I feel is important to, to say right now is that when they put that blood on the door, whoever was inside of that house was rescued from death. And yes. it didn't matter what you had done that day. It didn't matter, you know, if you were Egyptian or if you were Hebrew or if you were Greek or it didn't matter if you were a foreigner or stranger. If you were in that house behind that door, when that blood went up on those doorposts, it didn't matter. You were saved and rescued from the angel of death. You wow. were saved from death and sin. And so if you think about it, I mean, you could have had someone and and the thing of it is is like one of your buddies had come to you and said hey you should really come to my house for dinner tonight and hang out with me you didn't even know why or what was going on if you put yourself back in that place but you ended up behind that door you and your family were rescued from that angel of death just for being behind that door so that's heavy you know that is Messiah is the door of our salvation, and, and it's it's a lot cooler than most people think it is. Like, sometimes we think about the Bible, it's like, oh, you know, it's kind of foolish and all this other stuff. But honestly, there's more murder, intrigue, adultery, all kinds of really cool things in the Bible than there are in any other book in history. It's all there, buddy. You should read it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's why yeah, I love you guys. really good. Well, there's so much rest when you, when you think about the blood, and I think there's such a, um, a strategy of the enemy to get you away from the rest that you can find when you really do have that simple trust in what he did. And instead of interjecting a bunch of all the time effort or you know thinking that, oh, I got to better please God, I'm, I'm on the edge, I'm out here. You and I have experienced that in our doctrinal travels. Our doctrinal journey or misadventures, I should say, yeah. in, in a lot of instances. And Mel, I'm very glad that you brought that up because something that God's really been stirring in me over the past several months is that, the church to many, the called out, is seen as many as foolish and as powerless. But that's not true. I think what's happened over many years is that the church has underestimated and downplayed the power of the blood. In, in the Bible, it says that God has given us, through Jesus, the power to be the sons of God. There's power in that. And all too often, people live... a defeated, downcast life. Unfortunately, many believers that I've met, that I've come across, they live like Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh. Everything, the sky is falling, life is miserable, where is me, the, de the devil's attacking me today. That's not how God wants us to live at all. And there's power in the sacrifice of Christ. We were actually just talking about joy in, through worship last night in, well, Harry and I are worship leaders at a ministry called Burn for the King in Kokomo, Indiana. And um, we meet with our worship team before we get up to do worship and we talk about some aspect of worship. And I, it, the thought occurred to me, an Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh is a perfect example of, <laughs> that's great. I wish that we had this conversation yesterday. But um, just there is, we're supposed to consider joy all the time. You know, when, when we go through sufferings and trials and things of this nature, because it, it is perfecting us, it's doing something inside of us. And a lot of people, I would think, don't want to be a part of something that they, well, like my own kids, for example, they're like, you know, I don't know, I don't know that I want to follow this man with all of his rules, you know, and they mm -hmm. think it's like this, sort of like a job, you know, instead of a joy. And 
being in ministry is it can become tedious, but it's supposed to be a joy. Like, well done, my good and faithful servant, you know? I mean, like, that's what we're supposed to be. We're supposed to find joy in that. And when we have joy, it's attractive to other people. It is. Um, and, and that's really what it means in the scripture when it says that we've been called out to be a peculiar people. It doesn't mean that we have to dress funny, act funny, or do strange things. That peculiarity comes out of the power that we live in our lives. A couple weeks ago, we were talking to uh, Jack Manfredi from S91 over in Italy, and we were talking about Constantine the Great. And one of the things that Constantine was amazed by was the power of the Christians. And that's why he did many of the things that he did in stopping the persecution that was going on, is it was the power of the Christians, not the fact that they wore funny clothes or uh, maybe acted like Ned Flanders on The Simpsons. And unfortunately, that's what most people think that a Christian or a believer is supposed to act like, and that's not at, at all. We're supposed to be walking in victory and in power. And that's not to say that we're talking, you know, just a second ago, you're talking about Jesus being the way. When you look in scripture, what that word way really means, it doesn't necessarily mean a path, but it means trials and tribulations. So when you follow Jesus, there are trials and tribulations. That's part of it. It is not an easy journey. And it's not the difficulty of having to maintain a set of rules, but when you start walking in that power, there is a warfare that we live in with our flesh, uh, with, with the prince and power of the air. There's all this stuff that's going on, and all of that is to refine us. And we often forget that the life that we're living right now, those that have been redeemed by the blood sacrifice, that this life is preparation for the next. Absolutely. And that's exciting. So let's talk about reconciliation for a minute because you guys have a song called Reconcile. Yes. Yes. And it's gotten a little bit of radio play over the past couple of days I, I've seen on social media. A little bit. Dan and I, we were listening to Reconcile and we're going to play it for our listeners in just a few minutes. But just a few minutes ago, we were listening to it. And really, the quality of the music that you guys put out tops a lot of stuff that's main that I would consider mainstream right now. Dan, I'm going to let you interject on what you were uh, on how you feel about what you just listened to just a few minutes ago before we play it for our listeners. Yeah, just sonically, the the whole mix and the the way it was recorded, the quality of your voice, how it rises above the mix just really naturally. I'm really into sound. I'm kind of a geek as far as that goes. And when I was listening to it, that just struck me of how well it cuts through and it's it just comes through you have an amazing voice and just the musicality of the whole thing was was really good and one of the things that i like about the song is dan it, there is a part that does have a good beat and that is kind of easy to dance to yeah you were kind of breaking it down i, I was breaking it down I, I i got out my 1970s platform disco shoes yeah y'all don't want to see that <laughs> yeah we'll turn the webcam off when we when we start doing that again Tell us a little bit about that song and some of the successes, some of the breakthroughs that you've been seeing uh, happen for you guys right now. That song, again, started off in a in an odd time signature, and uh, it got changed. <laughs> I'm not really sure. I think the breakdown part was kind of like we ran out of something to play, and we were at a practice and just started like, I was like, okay, I, I ran out of stuff to play, and he just kept this beat going, and I think the bass player jumped in and as far as the production uh we'd like to thank tim bouchong from bouchong record plant in syracuse indiana he's the brains behind the operation he actually helped with a lot of uh, ideas on you know not on just the mix but even like if you listen to some of the guitar solos in the end they're very 
a lot of orchestration in there. There's several layers in it. And, uh, you know, some of the, I really leaned on him for help because I'm like, I think there's something epic here, but I, I don't, I never studied music theory. And he's like, oh, yeah, just play this. And so he would tell me what to play, and I'd, you know, work on those, that would run for a minute or two, and he would lay it down. And he's a really good guy. I'm really hoping we can work with him on, on what we're doing next. Financially, he's a little uh, out of our budget. At the time we recorded it, you know, it fit, and we definitely had quite a few hours in there. I think we had, I don't know, about 100 hours of recording, I think. Does that sound about right? Wow. It was a lot. Mixing and engineering, a lot of mixing, a lot of engineering. Wow. So, yeah. And uh, it's, you know, it's the album that I've always wanted to make. It's the album that I felt like God's always wanted for me. It's probably my fifth album. You probably would have never heard some of the other stuff I did before. (laughs) But, you know, there was a few songs I was like, yeah, these are like, the songs that you live your whole life and hope that you can write and produce and have come out right. And uh, we felt like they really, really came out right. And so we're, we're very proud of the work that we did, and we're grateful that it, it's for the kingdom. See, when see when we got saved and started writing these songs, you know, the deal I made with God was, if you let me play music, I'll play it for you. <laughs> you know, and that's kind of what we've been doing. That's really um, cool. The, I'll let her explain the lyrics. My husband, as he's mentioned before, uh, is he comes up with these weird beats and strange time signatures, and I am a classically trained musician, <laughs> and I'm like, can we not play it in five four? <laughs> like, can we can we not play it in you know ten eight? Can, is there some way that we can? Because that's what you're playing this in now, <laughs> and I don't no, don't want to write lyrics to that. Let's just simplify a little bit. But we, we did settle on six eight for one. <laughs> okay. Reconcile, reconcile. It in and of itself is, I think, the most fun song that we have, and it's really fun when we play it live, and kids really like it, and you get the audience involved because there's like a breakdown, the breakdown in there. There's not that many lyrics to it. The lyrics are basically righteousness like filthy rags, and still we long to be holy, and then you reconciled everything through Christ, which is scripture straight out of Second Corinthians. And then it goes, now I am free and you are free and who the sun sets free is free indeed. Yeah, yeah. And that's all there really is to it. And then the audience sings I back. I wrote the yeah, yeah. He wrote the yeah, all yeah. Right. yeah. Yeah. In 6'8". But, <laughs> but uh, you know, the audience will go, well, I'll go, yeah, yeah. And they'll go, yeah, yeah. And there's this back and forth banter that we have with each other. And what my favorite part about writing songs that have scripture in them is, is that people, it gets stuck in their head. And then before you know it, they're walking around confessing, I am free and you are free and who the sun sets free is free indeed. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And their spirit is agreeing with something. Even if they aren't Christian, their spirit is agreeing with something that their heart wants to agree with, but their mind sometimes won't let them agree with. But that's where it's getting implanted is in their brains. you know. And so that's what I love about writing scripture in the music is that, you end up singing it over and over and over again. I don't really think I write these songs. I think that God writes these songs. I really do. So, See, that's the type of thing. That song, if you could see things in the spirit, <laughs> the enemy probably looks, and it probably looks like a nuclear explo- <laughs> thermonuclear <laughs> explosion because yeah. it's such a powerful truth that the enemy doesn't like, doesn't want to look at that. But that is that is the beauty of what, what Christ did. It's amazing. And it came through. As soon as I heard that, just in a few seconds, it edified me. I heard 
that simple truth, something that I've heard, you know, for years, Glenn, I grew up yeah. in church. I grew up at Baptist church, went to other churches, but eventually that joy in that got corrupted by legalism and, and by, we were in a cult, you know, yeah. <laughs> whatever. It was horrible. So, and it was, it was sad because it corrupted very precious parts of the faith. And I get a little restless, you know, I'm like, um, you know, I get in churches, I feel a little weird, you know, I, I, I feel strange. But when I heard that, that simple portion of the beauty, because I don't know much about anything anymore, but I do know the fundamentals of my own faith and the beauty of being able to be redeemed. And, and just what that song said, that he re- he did it all. Yep. I don't have to do it all. And I don't have to find some, you know, tertiary individual that's going to connect me up with God because how my vector and being obedient to some other dude wearing a funny hat or whatever's going on. I don't want to be in that situation. I I can go straight to Christ. He redeemed me. And that, that very much edified me when I, when I heard it and it was good music. And a couple of the things when we were listening to it earlier, the first thing I, one of the first things I said to Dan was listen to the layers of that. Yeah, that's exactly (laughs) what you said. That's what I was saying. The other thing, too, is, Dan, I think you're absolutely correct. It's like a nuclear explosion. There are not a lot of lyrics to it, but those are very powerful, powerful words. Yeah, that's very hard to misconstrue. What are they talking about? (laughs) Yeah, uh, what's the the interpretation of... who the sun sets free is free indeed. Yeah. Well, it's it's part of the even the, the art about music because a lot of times you'll have something that is very alluring because it's somewhat cryptically displayed in lyrically, which is okay, and it draws people in to read more. And then sometimes just right there in beauty and simplicity and in honesty, and, and that came through. So. Exactly. Exactly. And you guys, that song was just played a couple weeks ago on a radio station uh, out there in the Midwest, correct? Yeah. Oklahoma, it was a, I think it's a pretty, it's got a pretty far reach too. I mean, now we're just kind of bragging, which we shouldn't do. But yeah. if I boasted anything, I boast in Messiah, but he's the one that got it played on the radio. So that was pretty cool. <laughs> that is really, really cool. Have you guys gotten any feedback from that? Uh, not, not exactly, but there's been uh, sort of a ripple. Uh, the station that played it is KOUJ in Norman, Oklahoma. They are a FM station, which is great. And, uh, it's kind of funny because the guy played that he listed the lineup for the bands that he was going to play that day. And I was on Facebook and I put a little sad face and I was, he was like, why are you sad? I'm like, cause I was hoping you'd play one of our songs. And he, <laughs> he was like, well, send it over. Let me listen to it. And I sent it over and he's like, yeah, I'm going to play it. And I'm going to open the show with it. Oh, that's um, awesome. It's really great. Um, come to find out. We're working with a an agent now. His name's Rob Montez. He works with well, he's own the owner of RPM Live Entertainment. They've since reached out to him, and I don't know if I'm supposed to talk about this or not. But if this isn't airing for a month, I think I'm safe. Okay. But they they since asked our agent to become program director for KOUJ. Cool. So it's kind of a neat little ripple. I feel like God's put our feet like you know, somewhere where we're in a, you know, might be in a a blessed position to be a part of that. Harry and I have this weird apostolic anointing on us where we start things and then everybody else comes in and like sort of reaps the the benefits. benefits. (laughs) It's okay to be in that spot because as honest as I can be, I'd rather have, you know, he puts us in, in positions of favor is what it is. And I'm grateful for that. It can be, you have to kind of know what to do with something like that. 
But the other thing that happened was some random person decided to, what was it? They, there was on their Facebook page, it was somebody random that we had never even talked to before was making our song their playlist or, or what was it? They just put it as their song of the day for their church. For their church. Okay. Yeah. Some church, some place that we'd never even heard of or people that we didn't know were like, how do you know this song? <laughs> you know, it's, it's, uh, it's just interesting to me how the fingers of, of that kind of things reach out. It's all by his spirit. It's it's God propelling it. And I really believe it's because your guys, your hearts are in the right place. You're glorifying God in what you're doing. There is a level of humility that, and a level of faith that we're going to talk about in a little bit that kind of is awe-striking to Dan and I and makes us feel kind of uh, challenged in our own faith. But there's no such thing as coincidence. Everything, God just takes it. It's basically you're sowing seed and he's the one that that brings about the harvest and, and the blessing from what you're doing. And it's really exciting to watch that. It's really kind of exciting for us too to know, get to know you guys at this point in time where these things are really starting to unfold because what it does for us is it increases our faith. And I hope that happens for our listeners as well as they watch what you guys do, that it increases our listeners' faith as well. Absolutely. So Dan, what I'd like to do is I'd like to put on our platform shoes and our metal shirts and mix a little metal with disco and infect the masses that are listening with a little reconcile.
So Dan, what'd you think about my DJ intro there? Yeah, you're you're a natural, Glenn. You're you're going you're going. I'm going far. places. Sky's the limit. <laughs> What's that radio station out in Oklahoma? Do they need anybody? <laughs> I can I can tap in from the studio here and do uh, and I'll play you guys as much as as much as necessary. Uh, just, just a long distance dedication, to- <laughs> dear Casey. <laughs> that song is awesome, guys. So something that I want to talk about is you guys do a lot of touring. Well, that's one of the things that I first noticed when I came in contact with you. Started doing a little bit of research. I was like, man, these guys are on the road all the time. And you tour with the Extreme Tour. Can you tell us a little bit about the Extreme Tour and your involvement with that? The Extreme Tour is a, how do I put this? We're definitely a grassroots movement and uh, to bring you know love, faith, and hope to the counterculture and at-risk youth and adults in over a hundred cities in the u.s and i think we're going to they say 30 countries but we're probably going to reach 10 to 15 countries this year i know india japan the united kingdom are some of our stomping grounds this year we're not going uh also the caribbean but basically uh the goal of the extreme tour is to demonstrate the love of god before we declare it and to let people know that they're seen and that they're celebrated. And uh, we don't charge the the cities that we minister in, per se. We do ask them to raise an amount because we do have needs because they are where our ministry. But like most traditional Christian music tours, they're going to charge the church anywhere between, you know, $2,500 to $5,000 to come in and do a church event inside the church for church people. You know, I it's not real outreach. I I don't I'm okay with playing in churches. They seem like really nice people, but I you know, we're from we're kind of from the gutter. I mean we kinda of come from a dark place and I, I I think that's where God wants us to go. And again, it, it it's not I, I don't mean that everybody should do what we do, but it's just what God's called us to do and the one thing I had to realize is not everybody's available and equipped to do what we do, so it's a blessing that her and I get to work with the Extreme Tour. I'm a primary tour director right now, and I don't. My, but if it wasn't for my wife, I wouldn't be doing anything. I, I basically just ask her if she's done everything, <laughs> but, um, which means that we're gonna reach out to about a thousand artists this year, and we're probably gonna take about a hundred of them on the road. A lot of them are artists that have never toured, never traveled, and uh, you know threefold ministry it's like we're going to mentor the artists and we're going to try to disciple the artists see the, the people that we minister to as well as the coordinators in the cities that we go to and the churches that we go to so it's not really just about i mean it's definitely about outreach but i think there's a there's a big ripple that happens all the way around and i mean the extreme tour has really been kind of shaking the foundation of the christian music industry kind of back to its core again and We've seen a lot of changes in the Christian music industry over the last year, especially in the last six months. Things are changing, and unfortunately, I think what we're seeing is the Christian music industry is adapting exactly to what the mainstream is doing, and they're, they're using the same model. And uh, yeah, you know, I, I don't want to stick my opinions out there too much, but um, I, because I, I always wanted to run with that crowd, but I, I believe that that God's got something different for us you know i i i watch i watch christian music people kind of get big and then 
you know, there's no thanking God anymore. It's look what I'm doing, look what I'm doing, look what the band's doing, and you know, I it definitely ain't about us. I mean, we're we're kind of a one trick pony, and <laughs> you know, <laughs> like it, you know, our music is not that great, and I think we've always been ill equipped. Like we're not, we're very disorganized and we're very unkempt and we're not very professional. So we just don't land on that platform very well. And we're okay with that. And, and, you know, we're, we're just okay, I guess, with, with the way that, that we're doing it. But the extreme tour, I think we, we fit in really well <laughs> with the extreme tour. And, uh, but like I said, we had the opportunity to actually be on the inside track this year, being able to, to run it and, you know, do the artist recruitment and book the book the cities and work with all the coordinators and basically set up the whole deal. So um, on the East Coast, but yeah, as since we are in in a band per se, Filthy Rags, I'm I'm sure with it we will be uh, you know playing at some of these community events. And I'll pass it off to Mel, who is antsy because <clears throat> Harry sort of drew the picture for you. Okay, um, and he did a, he he did a pretty good job. I would like to color it. And what the tour means when I when I first we we ended up on the extreme tour in 2015 after them giving us literally 10 days uh, to decide if we wanted to pack up and drive all the way across to the West Coast. And that's how it went. I'd never heard of the extreme tour. I had no idea who they were and what they do. And that will be for most people. They will be like, what's the extreme tour? It is a grassroots tour that has been going it is the longest running tour in the entire world it's been going on for over 25 26 years we were in our 26th season of the extreme tour started in twin falls idaho with a man named ted bruin who came across some kids that the church called an acceptable loss and said that they had made their decision about whether or not they wanted to follow god and there was no pursuit of the heart after these children who were, I mean, literally children. And I, the Bible says that you're not grown until you're 20 because you can't be considered for war. So, you know, we're talking about 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 year old kids. And in the case of a town called Greenfield, Missouri, you have 12 and 13 year old people who are out doing, you know, the oldest profession known to man uh, for drugs in that town. And so we go into that town and minister. And it is a ministry. It is a grassroots outreach where we just simply go and hang out in the places sorted what the world would consider sorted places and conversations with these people befriend them sit with them like a friend would and talk to them and then invite them to a show we do have flyers we pass out the flyer is the last piece that you ever hand to somebody you don't walk up and lead and go hey there's a show come out you don't do that. Mm-hmm. You sit, you play music with them, you talk to them, you find out what their story is. The most, if you really care, the best question you can ever ask another human being is, so what's your story? You know? Yeah. Um, and then you, you counteract that with, with whatever your story is and you help. And that's what you're, that's how we overcome, guys, is by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And it doesn't say what we overcome, it just says we overcome. So I take that to mean that we overcome everything with the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, including people's excuses and and complaints about things. And it's like, well, that's fine, good, and dandy. This is what God did for me. Then we put on a party. We throw a party in the grass, in the park, for the community. And mostly it's communities that nobody goes to. 
Um, I just had a guy, I booked a, a town called Balesford, Chicago, or Balesburg, Chicago, or Balesburg, Illinois. I'm so sorry. My brain is like egg soup sometimes. And he said, everybody goes to Chicago, and everybody goes to Peoria, and everybody goes here, but nobody ever comes to Balesburg. You know, and our community suffers just like every other community. And he's like, I'm super excited that you're bringing in a tour of this caliber, because it is. It's a very upstanding tour, and we're, we're more organized than Harry leads you to believe. You know, I have a, a whole list of things that I do and take care of, and mm -hmm. um, there's a whole team of volunteers. Some of them are artists. Some of them are administrators. But there's a whole team that volunteers to book artists, to book cities, to get this thing up, going, and running. We rely on the kindness of the churches. And so while we don't, you know, it's a, it's a, it, it serves to teach the church how to evangelize. It serves to teach an artist what their music is really for and to minister in that aspect. And then it's a service to the community in and of itself. And so there's literally those three things that we do. And then honestly, the aspect of faith, like it takes about $180,000 to run this tour. Wow. And what we re what we receive in a year is closer to $18,000 out of the kindness of strangers. So, and it keeps going. It wow. just goes and goes and goes and goes and goes. But when we look at what it costs us versus what we bring in, that's how you you know at the end of the year that it's God really loves the store. He really, really, really loves it. And, and um, I am humbled and appreciative to be able to be a part of it. One of the things you guys mentioned when I talked to you about a month ago when we, I was just learning about you was the way that you tour. You're not making any money really doing this you just kind of take off it's not like you've got this big surplus of cash from like these mega record sales and interviews that you do on shows like the get real podcast and <laughs> oh i did get my first royalty check from the reconcile album okay okay yeah. awesome 36 dollars and 68 yes there, there you go all right all right all right We're buying pizza for everybody <laughs> there you go <laughs> there you not go for everybody but you guys move out in a level of faith that personally, when I considered what you were telling me about how you just go out and you do this and you depend upon the Lord to provide you with what you need, just like the disciples did when Jesus said, hey, don't take this, don't take this, don't take this. You know, God's going to provide for you. I, I have to be honest and admit that I am not there yet. Dan, you can do it. It's all right. <laughs> oh no, I, I find it's all right. it intimidating. Yeah. What it does is it takes away excuses. And the whole time they were talking about the way this tour is set up, it's really beautiful because it's action. It is going and doing because there's so much building buildings and people talking and uh, pastors preaching with their nuance and their emotion and all this other stuff, and then to really deliver the love of Christ to people that are kind of totally forgotten that is so like christ yeah you know it, it we we talk about those themes we sing about those things and when people give in that way and you just go and do that that's really has a powerful effect on me just hearing about it because i've i've run into certain people before certain missionaries different people and you're like whoa they're really go going and doing and I, when i started looking into y'all and hear you talk about this tour, it's really beautiful. And there's no doubt that 
there's a, a lot of changed lives in the wake because yeah. that's 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 powerful. Definitely. And there's something I'd like to highlight our listeners to. I'd kind of like to go back in the conversation we were just having a second ago about how you guys present the gospel and how you share with others. And it resounded something in me that I remember just before I humbled myself and and confessed Jesus and, and accepted him in faith as the way of salvation is that I had somebody sit down and listen to me talk person that first really shared and opened up scripture to me that was julius i'll I'll mention his name Mm -hmm. it was between my junior and senior year in college i was a mess i was i was a mess let's just keep it at that and he saw me sitting outside my stoop of the door of my room in summer school and he just sat down next to me and was like hey what's up and he let me rant and i mean violently rant for at least 30 to 45 minutes and he listened and that was what really impressed me the most and he looked at me he's like well you know what you need he's like you need jesus now that's not the answer that i wanted to hear at the time but no. god <laughs> used that and it was about three months two months later that god saved me and he planted that seed in there there had other been other seeds that have been planted but he was really key and instrumental in that and the key in the the key to it was that somebody listened to me. It wasn't just somebody coming up and giving me a track. It wasn't just somebody coming up and saying, Hey, have you been saved? Well, where are you going to go when you die tonight? They, they just weren't throwing it at me. They treated me like a person. And I think in a lot of our evangelistic programs that are out there today, the person is missed in a lot of instances. Between, it's the difference between, sorry to interrupt you, but it's the difference between, cause this just came into my mind. They, the police have since kicked them out of the park in Marion Square uh, in uh, uh, Salem, Oregon. But there are churches that will come in and they will do what they call feedings of the homeless versus people who come in and serve the homeless. Okay. There's a difference. You feed cattle. You feed, you know, chickens. You, you, you serve your homeless brothers and sisters. There's a, a difference in the, in there. You know, there's a different sort of mindset in there. And if I'm going out, you know, if I'm going out with with uh, that a tour that I've paid to play on or uh, something of that nature, which I don't know if you guys know much about that, but majority of these big sort of winter jam kind of thingies, um, not knocking any of this, please understand that, right. okay? But we can't afford to pay to play. We can't. And you go out there with your merch sales, and that's how you make your money back, and all this other stuff. Like, if you go out there with that, that's what has to happen in order for you to, uh, you know, make make your money. Your mind is going to be set on what can I say, what can I do in order to make people like me, versus the mindset that we go out with is who can I encounter today that the Holy Spirit can just like slobber all over you know what i mean like that's that's the that's the goal in our brain is and we pray for divine appointments and divine encounters because there is a level of uh adrenaline and something inside of your spirit that genuinely becomes i hate to use the word addicted but i do i get hooked on watching the holy spirit move in people's lives Mm. It's a, I'm a Holy Spirit junkie, man. I am all the way around 100%. 
He has infused my blood with his power, and I am hooked 100% on watching him just smother the hell out of somebody. That's, mm-hmm. And I mean that the way I said it. Right. You yeah. know what I mean? Just jump on there and smother the hell out of somebody. Get Real will be soon back. 